Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts. And here we go, episode number 110 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Whoever you may be, however you may be listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, welcome, welcome in. Back for another week. Obviously, it's not PJ on the mic today. It's going to be me and surprise guest, Jace Burke, back for another episode, back in the saddle. We are here to talk fantasy football, and I couldn't be more excited, honestly. It's going to be a highlight of my week. I know it always is. Jace, how are you feeling? How has the fantasy football season been treating you so far? Yeah, it's been good, man. It's been, it's good to be back on the podcast. I was uh, came back for the 100th episode, 10 episodes later, making a little uh, appearance once again. So we might have to make this uh, every 10 appearance thing. I It's always a good time to get chatting with you boys. But uh, no, it's been a fantastic uh, NFL season, having some decent success in some leagues, getting thrashed in some other ones. You know, the beauty of fantasy football, winning some money, sports betting, losing some money. It's just uh, it's all about the ride. Uh, so the ride's been wonderful. Lots of ups and downs, but um, we got plenty of season left. I know Peter says it all the time or used to in previous episodes, like take some time to you know, soak it in each week. Don't be looking forward to the next week so much because before we know it, it's going to be the end of February and we're going to be without football again. So soak it in. Uh, you know, we're about halfway through the regular season, but uh, I'm happy to be here today. I think we got a lot of good stuff to talk about and uh, yeah, I'm ready to get it rocking and rolling. Heck yeah, man. So speaking of halfway through, I mean, we pretty much are, it's going into week eight, which is insane to me. Um, but just a little opening up talking point I was thinking about what is one of your favorite trades that you've made so far in season this could be in dynasty let's just make it dynasty I know I didn't kind of preface that when I texted you but dynasty trade that you've made either in season or this past off season that you think has really helped one of your squads out you're like look back on this trade you're like thank goodness I made this trade yeah, one jumps out in particular to me. It's really just been fresh in my mind for quite some time. It was uh, I think like a week before the season started. Uh, I have a team. I, I actually planned on rebuilding this team, but somehow, some way, value kind of kept falling in my lap, and I find myself as a competitor actually up against you and our, uh, you know, uh, our, our notorious Mike Vrabel league, and um, teams looking all right, like feeling pretty good about it. But right before the season, there were definitely some missing uh, pieces and parts. I think I was lacking a little bit of uh, eliteness. I was missing kind of an elite piece um, to go along with the rest of my team, have Justin Herbert as my quarterback on this team. And that made me really want to go out and get Keenan Allen. Um, Keenan Allen's price redraft dynasty. I feel like, I mean, it's almost never been higher than it in the past three years, even in the dynasty um, format, just because he's putting up top five numbers at this point. I mean, he's target shares, ridiculous. Um, the catches he's able to rack up the yards and the touchdowns this year have come on stronger than years past. So Keenan Allen uh, popping off this year, I traded for him right before the start of the season. And I got him in a half point PPR league uh, for Khalil Herbert and Deontay Johnson. 
Right now, that's looking like a really good trade. I mean, Khalil Herbert's currently on IR. Deontay Johnson just had his first game back. But at the very beginning of the season, before the season started, I mean, the value, I, I honestly felt like I was giving up a little too much because I'm trading for a 30-plus-year-old wide receiver who has shown some injury history in the past. You're kind of waiting for the cliff. And um, I felt like I was giving up, you know, a quality wide receiver in Deontay Johnson and Cleo Herbert, who had a ton of weekly upside, if not dynasty long upside, if he could get a hold of uh, that full time role in Chicago. But um, I, I think my main takeaway on that is if you're going in or you're, you know, one move away from being all the way in, go get these vets. I mean, they're just because they're old doesn't mean they're going to stop producing. I think the biggest thing is look at a declining skill set look at declining value, um, look at declining scoring. Like if these guys are showing it on the field, then I'm more apt to believe it. But if we're just looking at number or the age as a number and being scared away from a player based on that, I'm kind of done with that at this point. It's like, just go get the guys that are good, especially if you're competing. Um, and instead of waiting on a Deontay Johnson to become a Keenan Allen or wait for Khalil Herbert to get a hold of a role, get rid of those guys, go get the guaranteed value, especially if you're throwing in the chips. It, he's been my best, most consistent player on this team. He's straight up won me some weeks this year and it's been a trade. I, uh, I look back on and smile quite a bit. Yeah, that's great, man. And it goes to show you, just like you said, I mean, when the value falls in your lap, you weren't necessarily thinking about competing this year in that league. You get a trade like that. And I mean, Obviously, Keenan Allen, everybody knows Keenan Allen's been good. He's been one of the most consistent players. Honestly, people like to say he's injury prone, all this stuff. It was really only last season where he missed a handful of games. But other than that, the dude's just a machine. And it's funny, man, because you look back at those offseason trade values and people really just try to create the narratives. And I love it because that's what fantasy football is about, right? You create your own narratives, all that stuff. But like, everyone's like, oh, Deontay Johnson's the prime buy low candidate. No, no touchdowns. He's going to smash this year. And then obviously Khalil Herbert as well as like, who's going to fill the void there. Like it's all the, it's all the unknown stuff, right. For the known mm -hmm. commodity in Keenan Allen, which, you know, that's, that's a beautiful thing in dynasty. And that's why these trades, you know, you look back on some of them and you're like, dang, dude, like, how did I make that trade go through? Cause obviously dude, if you tried that today, I mean, you're probably going to add a first round pick on top of it. hundred percent. And I think even like just to illustrate the value of Keenan Allen kind of during that time period before the season, which is the best time to go get these old wide receivers. Cause all we've been doing is just looking at ages, looking at stat sheets. We're not watching any football. It's so easy to convince yourself of guys. It's so easy to talk yourself out of guys. Um, I feel like no one ever finds like a midpoint in the offseason. You're either in or out. Um, but let's see, a couple handful of months before I made that trade, Keenan Allen and Chig Okonkwo were traded for Deontay Johnson by himself. Then um, a little bit later, Keenan Allen and David Njoku were traded for TJ Hawkinson straight up. I mean, you're not getting any of these traits to go through at this point in the season. And it just speaks to how cheap these vet wide receivers and vet players come to be. I mean, Christian McCaffrey right now, I think, is absolutely the number one overall running back in Dynasty. I think Bijan is, well, I take that back. Bijan's probably one, maybe Hall too. But Christian McCaffrey is a top three upper echelon guy that is worth, you know, the multiple first round picks or you'll never get anyone to separate for less. This offseason, I think people 
you know, I don't think his value is that high because of the age, because of the position. Don't read too deep into that stuff. Look at a declining skill set on the field and then make your, uh, you know, make your decision on what these guys are worth. Heck yeah, man. I love that. I'm going to jump into a trade. Everybody loves to trade brag about an awesome trade they made. This one has to be my favorite probably that I made this offseason. It was on, I think, early January and it was with Max and it's a 12 team super flex full PPR league. I traded Deshaun Watson, Jerry Judy, and the same dude, Khalil Herbert. And I got Patrick Mahomes <laughs> in Superflex. So I that's one I just look back on. I mean, I I get what his thinking is at the time, right? And I'm just playing on the heartstrings, like, and that's something that we talk about a ton. It's like you gotta know who your league mates are. And Max is a dude who he can't, he doesn't like to sit on his hands. He if he feels like there's value to be made. He's going to try and make the trade. Judy, he loves Judy. Mm -hmm. And he was thinking, and I I mean, honestly, I was thinking too, how far below Mahomes is Watson, right? Mm -hmm. At the time, everyone's thinking, can he come back? That was the big offseason narrative for the Browns, right? And Max took the risk and I reaped the rewards on that one. Because I mean, Watson is obviously don't even need to speak about it. He's that bad. Mm. So I agree, man. I think it kind of speaks to the same sentiment. It's like, as my trade earlier, I think you go get what you know is there, like get the value that you know is there. The off season, I have been so guilty of it in the past. And I think I'll touch on a little bit later. It is so easy to get bought into someone and start viewing the breakout as if it has already happened. I have been so guilty of this with Jerry Judy in the past, specifically, I think for Deshaun Watson towards the end of the offseason, his draft stock started to soar because people are thinking, God, this guy used to be so good. He used to be a top five quarterback, and now he's only a couple weeks from playing. Like, I got to get a hold of that before he breaks out. And it's like, you know what Mahomes is. It doesn't matter who he has on the field. You could be you and me running routes out there. He's putting up top three numbers. So um, I, I love selling on the perceived breakouts. Like I'm sure that's going to, you know, bite me one day where I'm going to sell the next Jamar chase before the breakout for too cheap. But I think the vast majority of circumstances, uh, if you can sell on hype alone, you go ahead and go get what it is guaranteed to you. And speaking of perceived breakouts, let's get into reports. So the first uh, item on the reports segment for us is going to be Zach Ertz heading to the injured reserve. Is it wheels up for Trey McBride? How are you feeling about him rest of season? There's been some rumblings about how Kyler's been coming along. Maybe he'll be on the field sooner than people really thought he would be. Uh, how much of a boost is that for McBride? And are you trying to buy back in in Dynasty? I feel like he's still probably relatively cheap. And we've seen how these guys jump up. Any of these young tight ends, if they show any life at all, I mean, they're they're probably a top five tight end. We've always been excited for Trey McBride on the pod. Nixie, I, I can't speak to how big of a fan you were, but I remember Max, Peter, and I were lockstep down to draft him in the first round of rookie drafts when he was around. I, I think... Um, his lack of involvement in his first in uh, the the first part of his second year have led people to uh, forget how good this dude was in college and what he was drafted to do. He is a small tight end, like 
uh, he is a six, four tight end. That is small in today's tight end world. Most guys are, you know, six, six and up. Um, he did not go there to block. He is there to catch passes and make plays. Currently that wide receiver room is Marquise Brown, who's a stud and who has been a target hog. Uh, and then Michael Wilson, who's shown some flashes, but this Arizona Cardinals team, it doesn't matter what the coach has been, uh, whether it's Cliff Kingsbury or now Gannon stepping in, they like to throw the ball to the tight ends there. It has been a theme for a while now. Zach Ertz was absolutely um, racking up receptions left, right, and center earlier this year. If you give Trey McBride the same target share and the same opportunity to make plays, uh, I think he can double the production of what Ertz was uh, giving us. So I, I'm wheels up on Trey McBride. I I think, um, you know, late to mid second round pick in next year's class. I mean, even a mid second probably sounds a little high to me right now. Like, I think you could probably get him for a late second next year. And that's a price I'd love to go in on. Uh, and I would absolutely do so. What is projected to be a mid 2025 second round pick, send that over all day long. I, I think McBride has a ton of upside. Yeah, that's true, man. And I was just looking at some of the numbers for Ertz. And I mean, he had a handful of top 10 finishes this year, which is crazy mm -hmm. to think about, right? But I'm with you on this 100%. I feel like going into the end of last season, McBride had like a few games where I think he was tight end two on the year. And then he had a top 10 finish as well. So people were really starting to get bought in. But I think this is really where they usher out Zach Ertz here. And whether or not it's Kyler at the helm or if they end up getting a worse, like a terrible pick and getting one of these guys, Drake May, Caleb Williams, just name your pick of, of these top guys, right? McBride's still young. He's on the rookie contract. I'm buying in for that second, for sure. Like, I'll get in. I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I just looked at his schedule, too. He's got three brutal games in a row. I think he plays Baltimore, Cleveland, and then there's one other super tough matchup. But then he has a three-game stretch of just green beans. Like, you're mm -hmm. looking at that, licking your chops. So the play, I mean, I could easily see buying now because if he ends up having a big game in one of those hard matchups, he's just going to start to skyrocket. Mm -hmm. But I could also see waiting a little bit. Wait a week, maybe two weeks. If he ends up not putting up anything, feel like you might be able to get them for less than a second maybe yeah possibly or maybe like mcbride in a third for a second mm -hmm. something like that but it, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out um at least we'll get to see the young guy get some more reps but uh this the last item we're going to talk about on the reports speaking of young tight ends dawson knox is going to have wrist surgery and he's quote unquote out indefinitely so we'll see if that means he's going to be out for the season, if he's just missing a few weeks here. But doors wide open for Kincaid here. I was a big Kincaid guy, honestly, this past offseason, uh, pre-draft. And he was going middle first round in some rookie drafts, right? Even non-tight end premium. Like people were super heavily bought in, even though Buffalo really has not shown – tight end usage that's at an elite level really for the past couple of years since Josh Allen's been there. So it, it is interesting uh, to see how that plays out, but Kincaid is more of a tough one. Like, I don't know if you could necessarily buy him right now, cause you'd probably have to spend a first round pick, but what are your thoughts on Kincaid? Do you think he'll have, I mean, obviously he'll have an expanded role here, but I guess how much of an impact do you expect him to have moving rest of the season 
and secondary onto that, would you rather have McBride or Kincaid rest of the season? Rest of season, uh, give me Kincaid. Uh, I'll answer that one right out of the shoot because the schedule is fantastic. I mean, as tight end matchups go, absolutely fantastic. He's got Tampa next week, middle of the pack, Cincinnati, Denver, the Jets. Then he's at Philly, kind of rough, then a bye, but then Kansas City, Dallas, Chargers, and then New England, who he just put up uh, eight for 75 against. So um, I think if you want to get in on Kincaid, it's probably it's probably best that you do now. I don't know if I'm ready to pay it first, though. That's the problem. Like, I think I would rather, you know, if I can acquire for a package of seconds um, because people are realizing, like, for the most part, unless it's Kelsey Andrews, you know, at the very tip top, um, you know, the other tight ends very much switch places in the ranks three through ten. Um, so if you can find anyone that would rather have a handful of seconds, I'll get in at that price. I, I'm not ready to pay a first. I have to see that first. Uh, I have to see him perform and put up legit numbers first. I'd rather just see it happen and know it's going to continue to happen and pay a premium as opposed to trying to get in too early on a tight end. So, um, yeah, I think I would acquire, like I said, for a handful of seconds or depth wide receivers or depth running backs, someone with some upside, I would get in at that, but I'm not paying a first round pick yet. Um, but I am excited for him. I mean, this team does not have an established number two wide receiver some people could say Gabe Davis, but I don't think they want him to be in every week number two. I think they want him to be a field stretcher and then use him as needed in the shorter to intermediate role. Um, I think that's what they drafted Kincaid in the first round for. So um, if he can step up to the plate, I think he should see anywhere from five to six targets a game, which is plenty for a tight end in today's market. Um, and if his athleticism can pop in the NFL like it did in college, like, I think he could do some serious damage. Um I think uh, long-term as well, I think he could settle in as a legit number two. McBride, I think, with how high the Cardinals draft pick is looking, if they land a Marvin Harrison Jr., that would really hurt. I think they, there's a lot of wide receivers in this class that would look good on the Cardinals squad. So I am worried about him eventually becoming number three. All right, so with that, we are going to move into our weekend recap. All right, so getting into our weekend recap segment, we like to go over one player that we'd like to talk about, whether they boomed or busted, kind of just their outlook, how maybe in the dynasty landscape they're looking, and rest of season as well. So Jace, as the guest of honor, take it away. I'm ready to rock and roll with someone who, God, I wish I was in on before the season started. I feel like he it's kind of just right up my alley, kind of up the alley of some analysts that I follow and respect in the game, but it's a uh, Puka Nakua, man. I mean, good God, is anyone ever going to stop this kid? I, I keep forgetting that he's a rookie. Like he is just putting in, putting up numbers week in and week out. Like, I feel like if this dude had the draft capital, like Jamar chase, we'd be valuing this guy at five first right now. Like just coming out of the gate so hot. Um, but we did get him in third rounds of rookie drafts or completely undrafted. But um, I just want to share something special with this kid. Uh, saw some stats on Twitter. So shout out to Heath Cummings and Jacob Gibbs, uh, both part of the CBS Fantasy uh, Football Today podcast. And these just caught my eye and I felt the need to share them. So Puka Nakua's target share without cup in weeks one through four was a 32.5% target share. With Cup on the field, weeks five through seven, it jumped up to 36.6%. 
this dude's target share went up with Cooper Cup on the field, which is absolutely insane to me. I do think it normalizes. I do think Cup is probably the end-all, be-all number one on this team. But my God, this kid, like if you worry about him losing target share to anyone, it's Cooper Cup, and he's obviously not doing that. But then I also want to go into his first read target share. So without Cup, he was rocking a 36.5% first read target share. First read target shares are worth exponentially more than being a second, third read target uh, getter, just because by the nature of how quarterbacks have to get the ball out of their hand and where, you know, I think that speaks to coaches trying to scheme these guys up on purpose. Um, But he had a 36.5% first read target share without cup. And then when cup came back weeks five through seven, 35.9%. So he is still dominating the first read. He is the guy they're scheming up in this offense to get the ball. Like I said, I think Cooper cup, although he's playing a high um, snap percentage, I think he's still kind of getting his feet underneath him. Uh, Puka has been rolling. So why, you know, fix something if it's not broken, I think that's kind of what's going on here with the Rams, but um, it, it's just, it just speaks to how good this kid is. And it's like, there's been sell high after sell high after sell high from any analyst I've been seeing about Puka Nakua, but it's like, do not sell this guy. He's not going anywhere. If Cooper Cup can't, um, you know, lower his target share and take away the amount of first read targets he sees, I don't think anybody will. Um, he's a certified stud, and I think pretty solidified in the top 10 of the dynasty wide receivers right now. Like I still hesitate saying that, but it's like the stats are there to support it. So I'm all in. Um, If you can still acquire Puka for a a first round pick, which I think some people would do, I'm doing it. He's just putting it out on the field. He's, he's doing what you want your first round pick to do. So just give me the guaranteed thing. Yeah, dude, it's insane. I I still can't believe it. It's basically, I feel like I'm in a fever dream (laughs) with Puka Nakua because it's like, Obviously, I'm salty. There was two leagues I had them, gave them away for free, basically dropped them to waivers in a league and traded them away for free. And You're not alone. Right. I know that I'm not alone. I will have a support group on Twitter <laughs> for the Puka Nakua people who dropped him from their roster before the season. But regardless of that, you're right, Jace. I mean, I was on this podcast earlier in the season, too, saying Cup's coming back, Daddy Cup's coming back, like sell this dude and it's time to wipe away any of the pre-draft stuff, any of the draft capital, anything like you're saying, this dude is putting up elite numbers, like no question about it. I was just looking at pass attempts per game. The Rams are, I think sixth highest. They're like at like 36 attempts per game. I mean, that volume is not going to slow down. They really, I mean, Kyren, they give him work, but without Kyren, they're still just going to be passing the ball a crazy amount. And Puka's going to eat, bro. I mean, he's going to be wide receiver one until the end of the season, probably. I mean, he's already wide receiver four right now. So I I really don't see it slowing down anytime soon. And he is, uh, I looked on keep trade cut. He's wide receiver 11 on there right now. All right. So just about top 10. People are catching up then. I mean, like I said, some people I feel like would still get enamored with a you know, 24 first round pick. I myself included, we get enamored with that, but you cannot argue what this kid is putting up right now. It is straight up ridiculous. It's, it, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I love it though. But yeah, last thing with Puka, it's like, I think I said that I feel like in a, I'm in a fever dream with him because that is every fantasy football analyst, fantasy football players, best dream 
is the undrafted yeah. fourth round, third round rookie pick that you're in on. Like, cause there was people in on Puka Nakua and there's so many Puka Nakua's that have come before him this year and will come after him. There will be the sixth round wide receiver that mm-hmm. you like only you, the listener, like only I like only Jace likes having Puka Nakua hit is uh, it's just astronomical, man. So I, I do, I'm starting to buy into it. I do love like it for the fantasy football space for sure. hundred percent. All right, so moving into my weekend recap player, it's going to be Alexander Madison. He had 5.2 half PPR points. I don't know, man. Cam Akers had his highest snap share since being on the Vikings. And Madison is just a guy I really didn't like this offseason at all. I I don't know what the the hype really was. in the previous games, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's like whenever Cook has been out of games and Madison gets the workload, he's pretty inefficient, and it, it always just – he's counting on a touchdown. It could be time to pose the question, like, is Madison just – is he just a guy? I, <laughs> I felt like it was, I had to put that in here just because you're back, Jace, but I don't <laughs> know how, what your feelings are on Madison uh, moving forward, but I feel like – this backfield's going to get into a nasty split pretty soon here. Absolute jag, the jaggiest of jags. I, if I would have been around more in this off season, like I, I was in on Madison at cost because I don't think people were actually acting like he was going to get a full workload. So I was in on the volume standpoint, but always has been a jag and always will be a jag. For some reason, I've watched a good amount of Vikings games this year and he has let them down in the most crucial of circumstances i i mean like if they had a war number like they do in baseball like wins above replacement stat for football like madison would be the absolute bottom of the barrel he has lost them so many games i mean a lot goes into it but just crucial fumbles and dropping the ball in the end zone and running the wrong route and missing blocking assignments um, I, he, I think he's on a very short leash. I think it's only a matter of time before acres kind of takes over. Or this thing is just a true 50, 50 split. So if I get any kind of second round draft capital out of this dude, I, I'm a hundred percent doing. So if I got to do him plus a third to get us like get out from underneath this dude, cause I, I don't think we'll ever be able to confidently start him probably for the rest of his career. I think we've seen the identity of this team is they they want to throw the football like this is no longer the Zimmer Vikings where they just want to ground and pound with Cook. And that's when Madison had his most success was in an offense like that. This Kevin O'Connell and the boys just want to chuck it. Um, and especially once Jefferson comes back, like I think you're hoping for touchdown or bust. And um, to me, it doesn't matter how long he's there. I think it's only a matter of time before some young 21 year old kid comes out of the third round and ends up usurping him. Hundred percent, yeah. So he's he's only under contract uh, after next season. But yeah, just like you said, man. I mean, this dude is uninspiring on the football field at best. And if they want Jefferson there long term, like they're gonna have to make some moves, man. They they yeah. should get somebody like Dalvin Cook. No, I don't <laughs> <Yeah. know. laughs> but um, that's gonna wrap up our weekend recap, and let's get into our crystal ball picks. So recapping week seven last week, rough week again, man. I, I can't lie. I was telling Jace before the podcast, I, I just haven't had my rhythm so far. 
some like PJ and Max have been doing decent. I, I don't know what it is. Fade my boom bust picks so far. That's kind of where I'm at with it. But we have Mason's pick. He had AJ Brown who boomed. That was his boom pick. He had 24.7 half PPR points. His bus pick, Cooper Cup, had 5.9 half PPR points. So Mason with the clean sweep coming in at the guest spot there. Max's boom was Wandale Robinson. He ended up with 2.7 half PPR points. That's a sad miss there. But his bust was DK Metcalf, so that one's just chalked up because DK did not play. PJ's boom was also DK Metcalf, so that one null and void there. But his bust was Addison, who went off for (laughs) 27.8 half PPR points. And then mine was not any prettier. My boom, Zach Evans. It just, that one hurts my heart, man. Uh, Zero points. (laughs) And then my bust was George Pickens, who actually, no. He, he did not bust. He had 13.2 <laughs> points. I started to talk myself into it. But, oh, man, just a rough week. I went with my heart, Zach Evans, and he crushed my heart. So I think it's time to rage drop him in every league that I have. <laughs> but all that being said, we move on. New week, new podcast. We're here. Week eight, crystal ball picks. Jace, as the guest of honor again. Why don't you lead us off here? Sure thing. Want to give a shout out to Mason for calling Cooper Cup busting against the Steelers 31st ranked pass defense. I like the man is a wizard. That is the most impressive call I, I think I've ever heard of. Unless I think Peter calling the Jets one time last year and they did like put up like 20 plus points. Those are my top two so far. But calling Cooper Cup to bust, I what well, he lost me a lot of money this weekend. I'll just leave it at that. Um, speaking of guys losing a lot of money, Calvin Ridley is going to be my boom of the week. Uh, he has been ice cold as of recently, very boom bust. Um, but I do think this is a boom week. I'm going right after that 31st rank pass defense, uh, that the Steelers have. That's who he's matched up with, uh, this week. Um, I have cooled on Calvin Ridley quite a bit. I was definitely, especially after week one, I was like, he is confirmed back. He is a, you know, top eight wide receiver. Um, you can make the argument top 12 in dynasty. I mean, I was all in on Calvin Ridley, but I have since cooled as one should, but um, I think week to week, this dude does have um, the ability to put up the overall wide receiver one numbers on the week. Uh, I think this could be the week. So the story on Calvin Ridley struggling and succeeding has been press coverage uh, this year. When he's been faced with press coverage, he has been abysmal. He's been horrible. He's put up 1.7 points like he did this past week. So he's got the Steelers this week who are 27th in the NFL for press coverage percentage, almost bottom of the barrel. They're only pressing 45% of the time. And then when they do press, they get destroyed. Patrick Peterson is currently allowing 3.08 yards per snap when pressing, which is the worst rate in the NFL. And then along with that, Levi Wallace is allowing 2.68 yards per snap when pressing. So these are the top two worst rates in the NFL. And actually, I want to back it up. This is as of two weeks ago, because it's the only data that I have access to because I do not have the full-blown subscription to True Media. Uh, but if you ever do get into True Media, 
there's some great stuff in there, uh, kind of like this data. So uh, the data is a little bit old, but things, you know, the Steelers aren't all of a sudden going to be uh, the most press heavy team in the league. And Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace aren't all of a sudden going to turn around and become the best press coverages in the league as well. So this is a juicy matchup for a team that does not press cover. When they do, they get destroyed. I think Calvin Ridley has still got it athleticism wise. I do think there is some rust there. And if you have been watching the games, he has missed so many touchdowns and big time catches by being just half an inch outside or out of bounds. Uh, a couple of those go the right way. He sees a big target share in this game. Um, I, I think, a you know, a one, 120 yards and a touchdown game could be upon us here. And you got me in on this week. I didn't realize that he was struggling that much against man coverage, press man coverage. And to get a matchup like this against Pittsburgh, it feels like almost make or break for Calvin Ridley on the season, like with this game. And that, that could be such an overstatement, but like, dude, Christian Kirk has just been there. Like he, he still mm-hmm. demands targets. I, I just, I really don't understand it. I mean, obviously, Christian Kirk is good at football. I, that's what I need to understand, regardless of my biases. But, yeah, man, I, I do like the matchup here, and you laid it out perfectly. I am scared to start him. I can't lie if I have him in leagues. But at a certain point, it's like where you got him at. You're probably not going to want to throw in another just – fringe wide receiver three guy like Ridley has the upside to win you the week so I'm with it Jace yeah I was looking to find the uh yards per route run when Calvin Ridley sees press coverage but it is absolutely dramatic I I can't find the data right now but it just take my word for it it has been dramatic all year long um, in the matchups where he's going to see press coverage, I'm going to fade him where he's not going to see it, or he's going to see a team that's really bad at it. I'm going to fire him up. And I think that's how you're going to have to kind of view him all year. So more of a top 15 guy than a top 10 guy, maybe even closer to top 24, if you still have trust issues, but, um, yeah, I, I think he's in for a big week and I know it's scary to start him, but I, I'm ready to fire him up. If you have him as your third wide receiver, or you can slot him into the flex spot, I'm doing that all day. All right, let's move into my boom of the week i'm gonna go with darren waller versus the new york jets i'm really hoping that the giants do not try to rush daniel jones back here from all the reports i've been seeing they're still playing it patient with him obviously a lot of money tied up into daniel jones so they got to protect him right so he can help them win playoff games um but Tyrod Taylor, I, I said it last week, and PJ had a point of contention with me, but I think he's he's probably the same or better passer than Daniel Jones is. The Jets are the 32nd-ranked team in fantasy points per game versus the tight end. Coming off a win last week versus Washington, I feel like the Giants have to realize that Waller is the focal point of that pass game, and they have to get him the rock. I mean, the dude had – think eight catches for like 98 and a touchdown so it's like if they can do that and eke out a win against the washington commanders i feel like it has to be a similar game plan especially knowing how poor the jets have been against tight end this year i I don't know man i'm just chasing the matchup here i've been doing it all year and it's not been super good to me so i i do have a feeling that waller is going to have a good game though this game i really like it i think um you know, last week or this most previous week was the big blow up week. Um, but I think the last three weeks have 
been kind of a change of game plan for Darren Waller and how they use him. Uh, I think it's been a bit of an identity shift and a whole realization of like, we went out, got this guy. Why haven't we been using him? Um, Week five, 11 targets, week six, seven targets this past week, eight targets. Um, The efficiency. I mean, he does look a step slower than he has in the past, but like, in your tight end slot, like I I now view him as I'm starting him regardless of the matchup, regardless of the situation. I, I'm just firing him up without question, but I think this is uh, definitely a matchup he can exploit. The Jets are fantastic covering wide receivers. The one place they leave themselves vulnerable is with their linebacking crew trying to guard these uh, tight ends. Um, guys like Adam Troutman and just straight up Jags have scored. I think Darren Waller is much much more talented some guy than some guys that have put numbers for the Jets. So I, I love this spot. I love the start of the week. I love the confidence. And for those uh, playing in DFS, uh, do not be afraid to slide him into your flex wide receiver spot or, you know, the flex spot where you typically play a wide receiver running back. He's going to be plenty cheap. And he's someone that I would be looking to slot in. Cause I think a blow up game is potentially here. That's a good point, man. So we are going to snake draft max in here, PJ, did not give us picks this week, but it's all good, man. A week off, he's studying hard. He's got a uh, big test next week. So I'm going to start it off here. Max's boom of the week It's going to be Brees Hall versus the Giants. Max is saying off a of bye week, playing the 25th ranked rush defense. The Giants did slow down Brian Robinson, but he doesn't think they'll be able to stop Brees because he's just a different animal. Also, he's been getting involved a lot in the pass game. And given the Giants defensive coordinator and his willingness to blitz, he thinks there's going to be a lot of checkdowns here. And um, he is right. Wink Martindale, he's always been a huge proponent of just sending like zero coverage blitzes, just trying to make some pressure. And I feel like that'll be the game plan against Zach Wilson here. Um, I do like the play. Obviously, the Giants have just been bad against the run even though they do have some solid players on defense, which is surprising, but you know, I'm all for it, man. Brees is, he's on his comeback tour. He's on his comeback tour. The top end speed um, from his few highlight reel runs looks like it's almost all the way back. If not all the way back. Um, I think this is a great boom spot. I think this is potentially uh, for the betting purposes of this uh, potential longest rush prop um, because I could just see Wink bring in all the boys again, all the corners and safeties get pulled up to go blitz. And, uh, you know, Brees hits the hole and there's no one there in the secondary to help chase him down. Uh, we know he can house it from anywhere. Um, I do love the involvement in the receiving game. Uh, that's another, you know, if you're going to bring the blitz, you bring out the screen game out of the opposing offense. So if the Jets are able to recognize that, set up a screen or two to get Brees off and running with some blockers in front of him, I, I think some big splash plays could be, um, there for Brees Hall, not to mention if he gets there on the goal line. And we're just going to wrap it around normal snake draft style. Jace, if you want to go over Max's bust pick for the week. Yeah, he's going. Uh, he is fading a guy that just popped on uh, Monday Night Football in front of everyone's eyes. It's Jordan Addison. Uh, he's going at Green Bay this upcoming week. Uh, Max says that he's coming off a huge game and he thinks that he's a screaming sell right now. Um, he thinks he should people, he thinks people should kind of, you know, temper their expectations a little bit right now. He thinks it's a little bit touchdown or bust. Um, so it's like, if you need someone that's got a lot of upside and could pop off, 
you know, it sounds like Max is willing to throw him in as a home run guy, but if you're looking for stability, it seems like he's wanting you to go elsewhere because he doesn't foresee a big game. Yeah, I can see this because obviously like Addison being banged up a little bit, I think it only ended up being like cramps because he did go back into the game for a little bit um, Mm -hmm. afterwards, which is good to see because I honestly thought it was a more serious injury. I thought he maybe injured his shoulder or something Mm -hmm. on that play, but I think the biggest hesitation on this one is just the fact that he is the true one there. Like Hawkinson's going to do his thing, but we already kind of talked about it. Kevin O'Connell wants to air it out. He gets creative with getting guys the ball. This is the guy that essentially helped create Cooper cup. Um, so it is scary because the volume could be there, but I'm, I, I'm on Max's side here. I think he, you know, the one rip away touchdown, it was a cool play and whatnot, but you more often than not, that play is getting stopped. It's getting picked off or it's an incompletion. Like the one in a million chance he broke off for a touchdown happened. That's a lot of his points. Um, but I, I don't know. Jair Alexander has a good chance of following him around. He is a strong, big opposing cornerback that can lock people up. Addison, if he is a little bit banged up and a little slow coming off his breaks, he's not going to outstrengthen or, you know, he's not going to win a a battle of strength versus Jair Alexander. So I could see the rookie getting locked up pretty good in this matchup. All right. I am going to move into my bust for this week, and it's going to be Josh Jacobs versus the Detroit Lions. Jacobs. I mean, just looking at his numbers, he's been pretty bad, like efficiency wise, despite being RB 14 and half PPR. It truly he's just been a difference maker in the pass catching game. And that that's really where he's gotten the bulk of his fantasy points. But this is the true definition of volume over efficiency for fantasy football. I mean, he has 2.94 yards per carry this season and it's bottom 10 in both yards before contact per attempt and yards after contact per attempt. So it's like, it's the the worst of both worlds. That's not even a, a thing, but it is now. It is now, dude. I mean, this r- Las Vegas run blocking offensive line is just terrible. They're not giving Jacobs the time to wiggle. I mean, honestly, like diving into like, if you like player profiler, that's like a main website that I'll look at for s- specific players. But like, he has pretty good, elusive numbers making dudes miss all this stuff but he just isn't able to do anything with it and it just has to be because of the run blocking but regardless of that little season recap like turn to the Detroit Lions and it's the third worst matchup for running backs for fantasy points per game and they allow the second lowest rushing yards per game as well so I mean Jimmy G's back but I don't know if that really helps his case at all. Jacobs, that is. The only way that I see him being relevant in this game is if Detroit's up big and then he could maybe gash him in the passing game a little bit. I mean, Detroit is like middle of the pack in both receptions uh, and receiving yards for against the running back. So, I mean, Jacobs could make a difference there, but I, I just think he has a terrible game on the ground and I, I just don't see... Vegas putting up much points at all in this game. Yeah, I feel the same exact way. I made an investment um, in Josh Jacobs in the Mike V league, as you well know. And um, it has been underwhelming because I think when you watch the tape, like I think it speaks to the elusiveness of him is like, he still looks pretty good. Like he started out looking a little slower. He did, you know, miss, um, you know, 
most of the offseason trying to work out a deal with his team. But I do think like Jacobs has picked it up a little bit. I do think he looks more spry. I think he does look like he's making strong runs, but he gets hit in the backfield the moment he grabs the handoff. And you do that, you know, 20 times a game. Um, that'll wear on you if you're just literally getting hit and picking yourself back up and that's all you're able to do all game. Um, you know, I, I think that definitely doesn't help with yards after contact, like uh, defense are just, they're just keying on him. They're trying to make Jimmy G uh, beat them with Adams and Myers. And I think it's been pretty fantasy friendly for us, but in, in real life football, it is just completely ineffective and it speaks to why they have the record they have. So, the matchup, though, like you said, it is certainly imposing. I think when you take into effect that uh, the Lions just got blown out this past weekend by the Ravens, I think they're going to have a huge chip on their shoulder. I think they're going to know uh, how to beat this Raiders team. It's by stopping Josh Jacobs and you try to, you know, you have Jimmy G try to beat you. And he's already banged up too, already missing time. So I think this is going to be a rough game. Like you said, unless he catches six passes and gets you. 70 yards in the passing game I'm actively looking to bench him like I'm a start your studs kind of guy but if you have like a you know Ramondre Stevenson who's been very middling and horrible at the beginning of the year I'm probably pulling the trigger on that one just because I think that it's just a better matchup and I think he's got the same upside um, you know receiving game wise and volume wise all right Jace wrap us up with your bus pick of the week yeah, I'm going with Brian Robinson, who um, I have thought this dude was a jag for quite some time. I think last year the dude got shot in the leg. I think that can, you know, that'll slow a guy down. So I wanted to see what he looked like this year. He's had some moments, but I think this guy's a jag still. Um, and the role's not even that great. He's playing uh, season high. 61% of the snaps came in week one this past week in a game that finished with 21 total points. He had 49% of the snaps and only had eight carries. Um, like the role is not really a full-time role. Uh, he only has 14 targets on the year. Um, he's averaging, I mean, let, you know, half a target per game at this point, it's all based on between the tackles running and it's all, honestly, all of his points have been, um, held afloat by scoring touchdowns. So just to kind of put that into perspective, um, he scored, uh, not this previous week, but the three prior weeks to that, uh, three games in a row. If you take away those three touchdowns, here's this dude's fantasy finishes in half PPR. 7, 6.1, 6.3, 6.6, and 8.3. The Eagles have allowed the fewest rushing yards per game this season uh, to opposing running backs. I don't think this is a great matchup for him to score. This isn't a great matchup for him to be efficient on the ground and you know get you 100 yards. Um, he's not going to give you enough volume to bank on that anyways, only playing half the snaps. This is a game where they're probably going to be chasing points. Uh, versus the Eagles, I just like give me the Jalen Warrens of the world. Give me like the Jaleel McLaughlin's of the world. Like give me any kind of pass catching running back or any kind of running back with some juice. And I'm putting them in over Brian Robinson because like I could see a 10 for 47 yard game and one catch for 12 yards and no touchdowns. And like that's what you get. Yeah, dude, Robinson, I was bought in at the beginning, too, just because of the touchdown upside. And you see those first two weeks when he gets like 19 carries, 18 carries. I don't know. He was definitely a guy last year that I did not think was very good. 
I was still on the Antonio Gibson hype train, but Mm -hmm. now at this point in the season, it has to be concerning that, I mean, Chris Rodriguez is taking like four or five carries away from him, like not a ton of snaps. So that's a good thing, but still just to have him see any carries at all is definitely concerning. And then, like you said, I mean, he doesn't get in on third down. They still put Antonio Gibson in the game, which, <laughs> which I mean, I, I'm here for it, but it's like, dude, I, I don't even know what they're doing. Cause obviously Robinson seems to be the better player, but I, Overall, the whole backfield is just so mid. Terrible matchup. I'm with you, Jace. I think this is a, a home run bus pick. Thanks, man. I'll say one more thing. Chris Rodriguez went to Kentucky and was an absolute stud there. I am a homer for the Kentucky Wildcats. Love this dude. Um, but he is a Jag. Okay. And if this Jag is starting to eat into, uh, you know, this other Jag snapshot. I think it has a lot to say about how jaggy this backfield is. So avoid sell. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about the commanders, man. I had some hope for them. It's actually really disappointing. Yeah, that division's just so terrible for them. Like they'll never get ahead. Even like Howells looked okay this year, but I mean, they, they messed up, man. They should have just started Jacoby and just tried to lose every game. <laughs> Dude, our boy Dotson. They massacred our boy, man. Like, what the hell? Everyone's love affair this offseason, Jahan Dotson. Just absolutely droppable and redraft. Just, like, no hope in sight. I just... What are they doing in Washington, man? It's terrible, man. But you know what's not terrible? I'll tell you right now. At Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter, we post stuff, try to post stuff pretty frequently, obviously once a week for the episode, trying to post different trade polls, everything like that, Um, answering any of your guys' questions. We're pretty quick to reply on there. Uh, If you guys have any trade stuff, um, any just general start-sit stuff, obviously don't ask me for the boom-bust stuff because probably just fade what I'm going to tell you. But (laughs) regardless of that, (laughs) it's a good time over there. And we love talking with you guys. So just hit us up on there. Give us a follow. Do whatever you can there. Um, Jace, do you have any final parting thoughts for the fellow Monarchs out there? I do not have anything super specific going right off the dome here. But um, with that being said, like I am super uh, gracious to be welcomed back onto the podcast uh stepped away from it miss it all the time um but you know coming back like this uh gets the juices flowing again and whatnot so i will be looking forward to making another appearance uh here again soon like i said maybe doing an every 10 episodes kind of thing or um you know i'm still active with these guys in the group chat so um you know might have some stuff to to kind of help out in the Twitter sphere kind of thing to give you guys some more polls and things I'm uh, thinking about still an active uh, consumer of uh, dynasty fantasy football content um, still very active on Twitter. So I'm always thinking about it. Um, I know the fan base is amazing. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for the monarchs for having me back on and uh, I'll definitely be seeing you guys soon. Yeah, Jace always welcome back. I can speak for Max and PJ on this one. And also, you know who else is always welcome back? You, the listener, you are always welcome back. We'd love to have you guys listen to these episodes. Uh, Give us any feedback you can. Like I said, follow us on the socials. And uh, we'll be back at you next week for another episode. So peace out, guys. Peace.
Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice? Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time, farewell, my fellow kings and queens. <laughs>